Good day and welcome to another episode of the International News Desk. Whether you are tuning in on snl24.com forward slash Sokoloduma, Apple Podcasts, Spotify or Google Play, welcome to the show. I am, of course, your host, Sean Roberts. But I'm not alone, Mr. Kurt the Dirt Backerfield. How are you, my friend? Shawnee, I'm very good. Thank you. How are you doing? I am feeling blue, my boy. Feeling very blue. We are the champions. Um, hoping for the treble. Well-deserved. Uh, yeah, incredible scenes. Yeah, no, look, congratulations. Thank you, sir. It's been a very good second half of the season for City. Look, as much as I... As I'd like Inter Milan to win the Champions League, I think that City would just be too strong for them on the day. I hope so. I mean, it's it's yeah. As a you know, obviously an avid City fan, but pretty much a neutral when it comes to everyone else. Arsenal have played some fantastic football uh, during this season, but did they bottle it, Kurt? Or how would you present that? I mean, they had everything in their hands, basically. Yeah. Look, I think at the end of the day, this bottling topic has become a banter point. And I think that rival supporters will just want to rub it in on Arsenal fans. They'll get, they'll want to get one over them um, because they didn't like seeing them so happy throughout the season. Um, and I think that it's nothing more than that. But, and I don't necessarily like the term, I do think if I was asked, like you're asking me now, did... Arsenal bottle the league. They probably did. Um, I think they'll feel disappointed. I think Bukayo Saka actually in a recent interview just said that it pains him or it hurts him every time he thinks about the the end of the season, the end of the league season for Arsenal. Um, So I think that's evidence there to suggest that those in the dressing room, the coach, they'll all feel disappointed with how things have turned out. They had a very healthy lead over City um, and they they let it slip. It was the the two all draw away at Liverpool. They had a, a two 0 lead there. Mm-hmm. Um, it was then against I think it was West Ham. Um, the same thing happened. They had a, a two 0 lead. I think in the first ten minutes they were two 0 up. They threw that away, um, and then they drew three all at home to Southampton before losing four one away to City. And that's where they lost the lead. Um, before that, they they pretty much looked nailed on to win it. Um, but I, I guess the pressure of of knowing that City are breathing down your neck, City are on this incredible run of form, um, just got too much for them. And um, yeah, they, they let it slip. So I do think that they bottled it, but I don't necessarily like the term. Yeah, but take nothing away of of their performance throughout this season. You, you compare Arsenal for the last three seasons, it's a completely different Arsenal. Kudos to the Arsenal hierarchy for giving... Um, the manager a lot of time to settle and um, and to plan his way forward, which they did. And uh, yeah, in my eyes, I don't think they were ever going to win it. Uh, I was worried at one stage, but um, as an Arsenal fan, I guess you've got to be quite happy. Yeah, I think I think it's probably bittersweet. It's it's been the best football that Arsenal fans will have seen from their team in many many years. Um, they were at times of the season dominant, mm. so I think it was fun for them I think they had a great time but I'm sure Sean they will still feel disappointed that they didn't win the league they try mm. to um, sort of tamper their own expectations by saying throughout the season that all they wanted to do was finish in the, the top four yeah. um, but when you have a lead of 10-11 points you know you've got to go on to win it and I don't think that there's necessarily an excuse for that I know that they will say that there were injuries to keep players William Saliba, um, the centre-back, who was very impressive this season, 
Um, got injured a few months ago, and that forced Rob Holding to have to come into the side. Rob Holding is obviously, you know, a decent player, but nowhere near the level of a, a team that is competing to win the league. So I think that there are certain things that you could bring up and, and things that you can look to to find explanations for what happened. But yeah. at the end of the day, they they were top of the log for most of the season yeah. and ended up finishing second. So I'm still I'm sure they'll still feel disappointed. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, Kurt. Uh, let's stay within the Premier League. Um, and our producer, K- uh, not Kurt, Aiden, has uh, a couple of questions fired at us. And we, we can both join in here, Kurt. Okay, cool. I'm excited. <laughs> Sean, let's start with you. Back in the day, you were a goalkeeper. When looking at the top two Premier League scorers, Harry Kane with 28 and Erling Haaland with 36, who out of these two strikes the most fear for a goalie and why? I mean, yeah, that's a it's a it's a big question. I think just in terms of Holland's presence and how he's come flying into the Premier League, I think he's any goalkeeper up and coming against him these days. You know, you, you sort of uh, off, I guess. It's he's he's absolutely world class. Take nothing away from Harry Kane. Um, just in context, Kane's 22 league goals are spread across his 19 games this season where Haaland's 28 have come in only 17 appearances. So, uh, yes, potentially Haaland playing with a bit, with a lot better players around him. Don't take anything away from that. Um, I would love to see Kane next season with a better and bigger team, in my, in my opinion. I think he deserves it, uh, Kurt. Uh, I thought it was going to happen at least two seasons ago. That didn't. Um, could, could Kane be going to United, could he? I hope so, Sean. Yeah. I really, really hope so. I think that... I mean, we keep saying this sort of every year. We say it's it's time for him to leave Spurs. But I think that the mess that they are in right now um, will not sit well with him. Their managerial pursuit has sort of once again been very, very embarrassing where they've been on the hunt for a new manager for two two months now. or well, it's going on two months at least and they're just making no headway. They, they, they lost the Julian Nagelsmann pursuit. Um, there was the on a slot from Feyenoord who was recently linked with them. Mm-hmm. who has now decided he'll be staying in Holland. Um, so it's, there's something that the club are doing wrong. I'm not sure if these managers um, feel like Daniel Levy, the chairman, isn't going to support them financially mm. um, in terms of what they would need to bolster the squad. But they're, they're missing out on, on the Champions League. They could be missing out on the Europa League. Um, Kane is one of the best strikers in the world. Sure. Um, I think he's probably in the, the top five, top three the best strikers in the world mm. so yeah I, I love him and I would love to see him at Manchester United I think that he's an incredible player um, and yeah I just want to see him stay in the Premier League if he does leave Spurs I wouldn't want him to go to Real Madrid or to PSG or to Bayern yeah. love him to break Shearer's record um, and I would love him to, to to get his hands on a couple of trophies he's a, he's a great player and he deserves it yeah, if there's any player in the Premier League that deserves a couple of trophies, it's definitely Harry Kane. Don't know if he'll be getting him if he joins United, though. But, Kurt, uh, uh, Aiden's got a, a question for you. Kurt, Eric Tenhoek has somewhat brought Manchester United out of a slump and returned the team to its glory days. The Red Devils have a UEFA Champions League spot secured, the Carabao Cup title, as well as a chance to win the FA Cup. He has revolutionised this club once again. In no way am I suggesting he should be named manager of the season, but should he at least have been discussed amongst the shortlist? Um, yeah, that's a great question. When I first saw the list of nominees, I was surprised to not see Ten Hag's name there um, and I do think that there might be a bit of recency bias because prior to Manchester United 
beating Chelsea to secure place in the Champions League. Um, the the form, the team's for, uh, form wasn't great. And I think that um, they just sort of fell off after that long unbeaten spell. I think it was between uh, December or September, somewhere around November, December, mm. all the way until March. There was that 19 game, I think, unbeaten run in the Premier League, mm. which was essentially the base upon which United managed to qualify for the Champions League. Yeah. So I do think it's harsh to leave Ten Hag out of there because when you look at the table now, as things stand, Manchester United are third in the log. Um, they've won 22 games, only three fewer than Arsenal, um, three more than Newcastle in fourth. And when you consider the context, like Eric Ten Hag walking into an absolute mess of a club mm-hmm. and fixing it right up with more or less the same players, of course he had new new signings that he brought in and they've all done very well, which is another, I think, thing that you could credit him for, making good purchases. Um, so I think when you consider the overall picture, the, the the mess that he inherited, the way he's cleaned things up, the Ronaldo situation that he dealt with excellently. Mm. Um, yeah, I don't know if winning the Carabao Cup would count as part of this criteria because it's purely the Premier League. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think that he's been incredible and um, most Manchester United fans, all Manchester United fans, are over the moon with how the season has gone. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's harsh. And uh, there's a few names in there. Let's just mention them. It's Arteta, of course. There's mm-hmm. Zerbi at Brighton, of course. Unai Emery at Villa. Um, Pep Guardiola, obviously. Mm-hmm. Eddie Howe at Newcastle. And then Marcos uh, Silva at Fulham. They've all done well, of course, in their own right. They probably all deserve to be among the nominees. But I do think that it's harsh that Ten Hag isn't there. So if you were going to ask me which manager maybe I would take out, I would potentially replace um, Marco Silva mm. in that list at Fulham. Of course, they've done a very, very good job. But um, yeah, I, I do think Ten Hag should have been among the, the candidates for sure. And just in terms of the, the international press, do they share your sentiment or is there not, not much being written about it? Yeah, I haven't seen much reaction, mainly mm. from United fans. Um, I'm not sure how much the international press really cares about this until it's actually <laughs> announced, you know. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's, uh, that's my take at least. Sean, your, probably, your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, just uh, first time in a while as well that uh, Jurgen Klopp hasn't been in there. Yeah, I mean, it's Liverpool without Champions League next season, and and look, it's been a it's been a horrible campaign for New, uh, for for Liverpool. They've obviously yeah. gone in this streak. I think they had nine Premier League games, uh, nine Premier League wins in a row before mm-hmm. they draw to Villa last weekend. So they've picked up form, but uh, overall, it's been a very very underwhelming um, campaign for Liverpool. Yeah, absolutely. I agree completely. I think Ten Hag should have been in there without a doubt. Um, big, big game coming up next weekend as well. Uh, who would have thought? Beautiful city derby. Um, we could chat about that uh, next week, though. Um, but yeah, I do share your sentiment, uh, Curti. Uh, Aiden, last question, please. All right, guys. Manchester United will finish in a UEFA Champions League spot. They have won the Carabao Cup and they have a chance to become FA Cup champions too. Arsenal, on the other hand, spent 91% of the season at the top of the table, but they have nothing to show for it, not a single trophy. Out of these two teams, who has had the better 2022-23 campaign? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a biggie, hey? Um, I think you've probably mentioned it in the earlier question, Kurt, as a, uh, even Saka was saying, even though he, he, he thinks about it, he gets depressed, upset. Um, that's from a player's point of view. I think as a fan, 
yeah, there, there's so many mixed emotions, I guess. Um, personally, I would think that the United fans would think they've had a better season. Um, I think just the mere fact that Arsenal had it in their hands and threw it away that we've spoken about, we don't like using the word bottling, um, but it certainly did happen. Um, I think the United fans would walk away a little bit happier. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, as a United fan myself, I am <laughs> over the moon with the way things have gone. I think that Ten Hag is way ahead of schedule. Most Manchester United fans that I've spoken to um, would have been happy with the top four finish. But to have come away with a trophy, to get into the FA Cup final, um, not many of us, by the way, have hope for that game. But to, to get there, to get to two cup finals, um, in his debut season and to secure a place in the Champions League. Um, yeah, it, it's, a, it's a great, great season for Manchester United. I think from Arsenal's perspective, um, yeah, I think they've played some of the best football we've seen in the Premier League this season. Um, City, of course, have been on this incredible run like we spoke about in the second half of the season. But what we saw from Arsenal from August until about December, January, was incredible. Um, it was it was so fun to watch, even as a, new, uh, a rival fan. I'm sure neutral fans too. So, in terms of the football, Arsenal definitely dominated in that aspect. But in terms of trophies and productivity and what you actually get for the football you play, Manchester United fans should feel that they had a better season. I, I think. Absolutely, especially if there is a surprise victory on the cards next weekend against the Blues. Um, Let's stay with United, Kurt. Uh, Qatar make a new takeover plan as Eric Ten Hag prepares for the new transfer window. What is happening? Look, Sean, there are so many stories about this takeover at Manchester United that I'm beginning to think that there's a, there's no actual news around this. Mm. I, I I read a story recently where Sheikh Jassim, the prospective Qatari owner, was on a call with the Glazers. They, have, of course, have been in touch. They've been in communication. There are talks underway for Manchester United to sell. Um, there's obviously Sir Jim Radcliffe, who I think if he takes over, has given the Glazers an opportunity to stay on. Yeah. Um, but I just don't think that this is getting anywhere right now. I'm hoping, and Manchester United fans are hoping, that this will be handled by the end of the season, so potentially by the end of next week or the week after that. Mm -hmm. But for now, the update seems to be there is no update. Um, we don't know who the favorite is. Every every week or every day, there's a new favorite. It's obviously, like I just said, Sir Jim Ratcliffe or Sheikh Jassim. Um, every week, we get closer to the Glazers announcing a deadline or announcing when they will um, say who their favorites are, their preferred new owners are. We just don't know what's going on. I think... It's very, very important for Manchester United to get this done with, to get this confirmed as soon as possible because we just spoke about Ten Hag and all the progress that he's made um, throughout the season. Well, if the club isn't sold and if the Glazers don't act soon, it's going to leave us uh, short in this coming transfer window. You know, clubs are already getting deals over the line. And mm -hmm. I'm sure that Manchester United fans are going to get very, very, very frustrated if we go into the new season waiting again until the last day of the transfer window to make signings, signings that could, you know, improve the team, et cetera, et cetera. So I think that that's the big concern right now. Um, there was a report, I think it was earlier this week, that there could be an announcement by the end of this week, so Friday, today, 
but that's looking highly unlikely. Yeah. Um, there were more protests or more banners shown at Manchester United's win over Chelsea on Thursday night. Glazers out, yeah. uh, full sale only. So the fans really, really want this to happen. Um, and they are concerned that this being delayed is going to lead to them missing out on some key transfer targets, which is a very real fear, of course. Yeah, absolutely. We don't want to repeat the last two seasons at all. Um, let's let's move on. I mean, do you want to touch on the game last night again? I guess could. Uh, great result for United. Um, Champions League football next season. We've just spoken about. Um, I'd managed to miss the game, unfortunately. Uh, just a quick one. Yeah, very very fun game. Uh, very open. Chelsea had some killer chances um, themselves. I think in the first half they could have easily scored two or three goals. Yeah. Um, but Manchester United took an early lead and then I think the goal just before halftime killed them. Um, some poor performances from Manchester United players. Bruno mm. was really off it. Martial was absolutely atrocious, hoping to see the back of him soon. Um, but a few players performed really poorly and we ended up winning 4-1. So quite a quite a funny game, football. But yeah, thrilled to have qualified for the Champions League. All we needed was a point. Mm. But to come away with all three and to go... Uh, above Newcastle uh, on the table is quite nice too. So, yeah, it's uh, it was a it was a fun game to watch. And don't forget our mate Frank the Tank Lampard. Another another cross next to his name. Yeah, I mean, Sean, we you I feel so bad for the guy, but yeah, I, it's looking really really bad. His first uh, game in charge of Chelsea in 2019 was a 4-0 loss to Manchester United and his most recent game a 4-1 loss to Manchester United. So, that's kind of the, the path that his managerial career has taken. Um, yeah, I, I feel bad for him. Honestly, I do. I feel bad for ex-players who are legends in their own right, who are sort of respected around the world, who go into management and then kind of make a fool of themselves. I feel bad for him. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what's going to happen from here on in, uh, to be honest. Uh, let's move on to quickly a more somber event I would say um, obviously the Vinicius Junior oh, horrific scenes at Valencia and they only find 39,000 pounds can you believe it uh, what's happening in the in the talk yeah so this has been a very it's been a hard story to cover in terms of I think just the fact that and I know it's an old cliche but the fact that we're in 2023 and this is still a major issue in society it's just so worrying and it's yeah it's um it's perpetuated by some leaders around the world, some very important people. Um, and it's not understood entirely by some really important people. So I think that uh, Javier Tebas, the La Liga president, was really, really out of touch in his responses to Vinicius Jr. So what happened was Vinicius was racially, racially abused um, at the Mestalla last week, Sunday. Took to Twitter afterwards to sort of bemoan the treatment that he has received throughout this season. And I've watched many of Real Madrid's games. It's really happened throughout the season. Um, in fact, I think eight legal complaints have been fi filed by Real Madrid um, regarding the racial abuse he's received. Um, so Tebas then responded to Vinicius Jr. by telling him, and I don't think that you tell somebody who has just been racially abused and who is trying to let off steam, don't think that the right way to go about things is telling him to inform himself properly um, and then to sort of make your point as to why you think La Liga is not racist or why Spain is not racist. So it was a very controversial story, of course. 
Um, but Valencia were fined. I think a section of their, their stadium has been been closed for the for the rest of the season. Um, arrests have been made. Um, some people who abused them or discriminated against them at the stadium have been arrested. Um, and yeah, we just hope that there will be more serious action like that because Vinicius Jr. is one of the world's best emerging players. He's, he's been incredible for the last two seasons. And I think that it would be a real, real shame if this kind of abuse from fans drove him away from Real Madrid. Um, yeah, I just, it's it's horrible. And it's it doesn't make sense to me either. It really doesn't make sense to me. I guess there's mob mentality. I guess that there are real racists within those fan groups. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know what comes over someone. I, I don't know what would inspire them to chant or to to yell monkey chants at him yeah. it's 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 insane it's really really insane and horrible to see and i think that uh it's in la liga's best interests to act very swiftly and very seriously in dealing with the the culprits yeah uh absolutely madness so sad to see and uh just absolutely not welcome whatsoever um Curti, over the next seven days, I guess keep our eyes and ears open what's happening with United Takeover, potential transfers, um, and obviously we'll chat about the big game next weekend. Anything else I've missed? No, I think that's pretty much it, Sean. And that is how we wrap up this episode of the International News Desk. So whether you have been listening on snl24.com forward slash Soccer Google Play, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify, thank you for tuning in. I've been your host, Sean Roberts, and of course, Kurt the Dirt Buggerville. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Shawnee.